Okay, good. I thought I would mention on the recording, because people listen on the recordings, that uh, sometimes you might be wondering, there's been a lapse of about a month, and how do you know when there's a lapse or not if you're trying to follow along? So you can, um, uh, if you send me your email, then I will put you on the email list where we announce when there's a lapse in classes and what the homework assignment is. And you can just send an email to vrajviharidas at gmail.com. That's V-R-A-J-V-I-H-A-R-I-D-A-S at gmail.com. Hi, Krishna, everybody. Welcome back. <laughs> yes, Hare Krishna. So, we are reading from the Srimad Bhagavatam, the fourth canto, the chapter 12, beginning with verse 17. And we've heard about how, uh, who was able to calm Dhruva Maharaj down to stop killing the Yakshas? Svayambhuvamanu, yes. Um, and uh, so he, he, he decided against, he, he stopped doing that. And then uh, who else was very pleased with him for stopping? Kuvera, that's right, yes. Uh, for obvious, well, in one sense you could say for obvious reasons, um, because the people he was killing were related to him. Um, um, but yes, he voiced his pleasure and he even offered a benediction. And we talked a little bit about that, the trickiness of a demigod, offer, uh, a Sakama devotee offering a benediction to a Shud devotee, a pure devotee of the Lord. So we talked about that. So now we're going to hear about, uh, so Dhruva Maharaj goes to Padraic Ashram um, and performs austerities there and prepares to go back to Godhead. So it's a very, very joyous wonderful part of the, uh, of the Bhagavatam. And uh, not only is it joyous, but Srila Prabhupada is very upbeat in his purports about how we can achieve perfection in this life. So, text 17. In uh, Badrik Asham, Juva Maharaja's senses became completely purified because he bathed regularly in crystal clear, purified water. So it's not just crystal clear, you can find that sometimes um, at the source of, uh, even this stream, probably the source of it, which is out near the giant's, uh, rest of the giant uh, grocery store. That's probably crystal clear when it comes spring, springs out, but this is crystal clear, purified water. Um, he fixed his sitting position and by yogic practice controlled the breathing process and the air of life. In this way, his senses were completely withdrawn. Then he concentrated his mind on the Archa Vigraha form of the Lord, which is the exact replica of the Lord, and um, thus meditating upon him, entered into complete trance. So Prabhupada writes in the very beginning, he says that here is a description of the Ashtanga Yoga system to which Dhruva Maharaj was already accustomed. Why was he accustomed to it? That's what he did when he was a bacha, when he was a child. Yeah, right. Ashtanga yoga was never meant to be practiced in a fashionable city. And by the way, do we, Anandamuki, do we have microphones? Oh, we have them right here. Wow, you guys are all prepared. Amazing. Yes. Uh, so this is, a, this is a theme that we hear a lot from Srila Prabhupada. If you're, you know, okay, uh, he would sometimes say that yoga is very good for your health and things like that. So that's, 
that's your motivation, okay, you know, um, it's not per the ultimate purpose of yoga, um, but if you actually are performing yoga in order to uh, achieve the purpose of it, it's not done in, in you know, northern Virginia or wherever you, you live, you know, it's done out, out in the forests, right? And then an interesting sentence, so that's, that's, that's a common theme you hear Srila Prabhupada repeating again and again. And then he says one sentence here, uh, worship of the archa vigraha is not idol worship. Um, and so I thought we'd examine that a little bit. Because, you see, um, idol worship is a big deal for Christians. Right? Because it's the second commandment. The second command, the first commandment is, thou shalt not, uh, have no other gods before me. Right? So, Christian. Now that we understand very pretty simply, Krishna says the same thing, right? Uh, how, what's a verse where Krishna says that? Something about his supreme position? Any book? I mean, any Shastra. Yes, Krishna says, There's no truth superior to me. Uh, everything rests upon me as pearls are strung in a bed. Or, Govinda Mari Purusham. Tamaham Pajamin, that Krishna is the Adi Purusha, the Supreme. Well, and then he says, Yanti Deva Prata Devam Pratinyanti Pratinya Putani Yanti Bhuteja Yanti Mab Yajinopimam. That one that you know you worship demigods, you go there, you worship ghosts and spirits, you go there, you do this, you go there, and you worship me, you go there. Yeah. So then the second commandment is thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under, under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them, for I, the Lord, uh, thy God, am a jealous God. Um, so now that, uh, that's a little, you know, uh, that's why when, you, when a person who has a little understanding of Christianity or even uh, Judaism comes to the temple and they say, oh no, oh no, I'm not bowing down because that's the second commandment. Thou shalt not bow down, right? Um, and the Protestants and the Catholics have a little, because the Protestants are on the case of the Catholics saying you, you practice idolatry. Because if you go to a Catholic church you'll, uh, or um, a lot of things connected to Catholicism, you'll see mortis, you'll see deities. What? Yeah. Yes, yeah, statues of Mary, yes. All over the place, yeah. Yeah, yeah, even more than Jesus, right. Right. Um, so they, they, the way they explain that is that those uh, are there for the, well, they explain in different ways, but it's helpful in their meditation on God, but they don't worship those yeah, they, but they do, of course. And we're not talking about that. But that's what they say, right? That's what they say. But it's a big deal. And, and it's a big, uh, you know, Protestants just write off Catholics like, you know, you can, you're missing the whole second commandment. So we should know that, that, you know, this is a struggle for people. And what is our explanation? You know, we have here, Srila Prabhupada says that uh, worship of the Archa Vigraha is not idol worship. So what do we say when somebody says, oh, idol worship? Yes, Andy? A microphone? You got to turn on though, right? Is it on? Oh, yeah, it's on. 
Red, white, or blue. There you go. One of them's on now. No, what I... Whoa. That's nice and loud. Yeah, she's good. Uh, what I've learned since I've been here, it's because that's the mercy of the Lord. He's showering down on you to let you communicate with him. Mm-hmm. It's not like you're trying to make up something. That he's giving you his mercy that way. That's, that's the key, that, that one sentence you said, that we're not making up something, right? That we say that in the revealed scriptures, um, the, the deity, how to create the deity, how to install the deity, how to worship the deity is, is there. And so for us, it's kind of, it's kind of, um, it's kind of straightforward that, uh, I mean, for a devotee, they read this commandment and they say, oh yeah, no problem. No problem. We're not worshiping any other God. Right? We're only worshiping the supreme personality of God. And now that, you have to explain to people when they see three sets of deities. They say, what? What are you talking about? <laughs> then you've got to explain, well, okay, Lord Chaitanya is Radha and Krishna combined. Lord Nityananda is Krishna's brother, Balaram. And, and Sita is Radharani. <laughs> so we can understand that you know, it takes, we, should, we can appreciate, we should appreciate that it takes some uh, explanation. And, and some mercy also to understand that what we're doing really is in line with, with the Ten Commandments. Because we're not just worshiping, you know, because, you know, the, the, it's, in the context of the Bible, it's kind of clear, right, that, you know, they worship this golden calf and, and they, you know, made up a form, uh, maybe pseudo-demigod worship and, and, you know, was going on in different places, paganism, they called it. And, and so in that case, yes, you know, Krishna says, uh, uh, what is that? He says that one who worships the demigods is um, alpamedasa, right? is a small intelligence. So I think, I think for devotees, they, here's another translation of it, uh, the second commandment. Uh, I am the Lord thy God, thou shalt not have any strange gods before me. Easy for us. And then the translation, the purport is uh, this commandment forbades idolatry, the worship of false gods and goddesses, and it excludes polytheism, the belief in many gods, insisting instead on monotheism, the belief in one god. This commandment forbids making golden calves, uh, building temples to, how do you pronounce Isis? Isis. Isis. Yeah. Oh yeah, but not the Isis that we hear about today, right? And worshiping statues of Caesar, for example. So that, I got that also from a different website. That is easier for us. So, so in one sense, it's, it's, it, I think it's pretty easy for us to understand the Ten Commandments, those two commandments, in, in terms of our theology. But that doesn't mean, we, but we should understand some people will struggle with that. You know, because it's not crystal clear at first. You want to say something? Blue? I think you have to recognize in, in context of Dharma, because the really Indians don't have a problem with this. No, of course they don't have a problem with that. There's, I mean, they don't have any problem at all. Like in the Bhagavad Gita, you know, uh, Arjuna is just talking to Krishna, saying, okay, tell me about it. You know, he's not like falling down because he suddenly realizes he's God. If someone says they're God, they say, okay, tell me about it. You know, what do you have? And, and uh, you know, what's your dharma, right? Right. So, and, and in India, we have the opposite problem. There's gods everywhere. <laughs> you know, people worshiping cash registers and, you know, 
And I saw, I, I remember one time going on M Street, um, not M Street, M, M Block in uh, Greater Kailash. And we were there early, and the, the, the guy was just opening the store, so he lit some incense and uh, offered incense to the cash register. You know, he said, well, this is Lakshmi. It's not just the cash register. So, like, there's, you know, God's everywhere, you know. So, so we can understand where this is coming from, right? For a devotee, we can understand, yeah, of course. You know, you don't worship many gods, you know. Alpamedasa. Uh, but I think it's, uh, but I, as I was reading this, it's also good to um, recognize that it's, it may be hard for some others. Yeah. So I was going to, you want anyone else? Comments on this? I was going to read um, just because Krishna talks about this. So in uh, Bhagavad Gita, chapter 9, from verse 22 onwards. So let's read that. 22 is a famous verse, right? Oh, no, wait a minute. Nine? No, I'm not. Oops, I'm on 1022. I was wondering if it wasn't the verse I thought it was. 922 is. Um, <clears throat> so this is God speaking, right? The, you know, the jealous God, in quotes. Um, but those who always worship me with exclusive devotion, not, uh, no other demigods, uh, meditating on my transcendental form, to them I carry what they lack and I preserve what they have. And then the next verse, those who are devotees of other gods and who worship them with faith actually worship only me, O son of Kunti, but they do it in the wrong way. Okay. I am the only enjoyer, the master of all sacrifices. Therefore, those who do not recognize my true transcendental nature fall down. So again, you can see, very. this goes very well with the, the, the first two of the Ten Commandments. Those who worship the demigods will go take birth amongst the demigods. Those who worship the ancestors go to the ancestors. Those who worship ghosts and spirits take birth amongst such means. And those who worship me will live with me. And then he goes into how easy it is to be a devotee. And then he says, if one offers me with love and devotion a leaf, a flower, fruit, or water, I'll accept it. So this, these verses from um, uh, 22 to 26 very much jive with just a little, for a devotee viewpoint on the biblical commandments, you can see that there's, there's not, we can see how there's not a contradiction. But again, it may not be easy for everyone to see that. That may take some patience and time to explain and maybe some giving Mahaprasadam, other ways of gathering some uh, Sukriti. Questions, comments? Yes. The blue one? She's really on top of it. So, the example that you gave about people worshipping the cash register, that is where things go off the track. Right. Because people introduce their own conceptions and bring all these things and it looks like people can worship anything and everything and mm -hmm. it's all bona fide. But according to even the Bhagavad Gita theology, it's not a valid process. But people just extend it to their comfort and convenience and uh, muddy up things a lot for right. even everybody to have a proper understanding. And particularly in India, even today people use, instead of the word deity, they use idols. Mm -hmm. 
Yes, they use idols. But do they mean the same thing as a Christian means? As a and and for them, they do not have the distinction between why it's a, why, how idol is a different from a deity. Yeah. And they use when people when the Westerners see Indians using the same term, oh, these people are idol worshippers. Yeah, yeah, it's easy because <laughs> you can use the same word. But that's 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 another that's an example also of unclear thinking when the same word is used with two different definitions in mind. And that, that, that you see all over the world in different ways of people. Yeah, yes. Okay, shall we move on? And I have to go back to where I was. Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 4, Chapter 12, Verse 18 then. Okay. Because of his transcendental bliss, incessant tears flowed from his eyes. Oh, wait, was there? Okay. His heart melted, and there was shivering and standing of the hairs all over his body. Thus transformed in a trance of devotional service, Dhruva Maharaj completely forgot his bodily existence, and thus he immediately became liberated from material bondage. And Prabhupada writes, he gives us this uh, example uh, it's an interesting example for those of us who are cooks. You may know this, or lived in uh, a uh, warm enough um, climate where coconuts grew. Did you? Did you? No. Coconuts grew where you grew up? Yeah, lots of them. The example is given that when a coconut becomes completely dry, the coconut pulp within the coconut shell separates from the bondage of the shell and the outer covering. By moving the dry coconut, one can hear the pulp within, right? Uh, is no longer attached to the shell or to the covering. Similarly, when one is fully absorbed in devotional service, he is completely disconnected from the two material coverings, the subtle and gross bodies. And then Prabhupada writes a little later, of course, from the beginning of devotional service to the path of liberation, um, of course, from the beginning of devotional service, the path of liberation immediately opens, just as the coconut taken from the tree immediately begins to dry. It simply takes some time for the shell and pulp to separate from one another. So that's encouraging words, right? That, yeah, it just takes some time. The other example also given is that a mango, that, you know, a, a hard green mango, you give it enough time, it'll, it'll ripen and turn more yellow or whatever uh, kind of mango you have. It's an Alfonso, it'll turn yellow, right? Or it will be yellow, yeah. Um, and then at the very end, Prabhupada writes of this purport, one can experience a distinction between the subtle and gross bodies even daily. I mean, I think we can do that even right now. Our mind is going whatever. We're thinking, when is this class going to be over? Or we're thinking that was an interesting point. Or we're thinking the deities look beautiful. We have so many different thoughts. But that doesn't have much to do with our knee or our elbow, right? There's a difference between what's going on here and, and the body, right? Um, and here probably gives a more clear example. Uh, he says, in a dream, one's gross body is lying on the bed while the subtle body carries the soul, the living entity, to another atmosphere. But because the gross body has to be continued, the subtle body comes back and settles, settles in the present gross body. Therefore, one has to become free from the subtle body also. This freedom is known as 
Mukta Linga. And this Mukta Linga, um, in the fifth canto, it's very interesting, five, six, seven. Fifth canto, chapter six, verse seven. Uh, there's a line that says, Tasyahava evam mukta lingasya bhagavata rishabhasya. And Prabhupada writes that Bhagavan, in his any form, he is mukta linga. As we have got linga deha, linga, this material body, and we have got, this is a talk not written, and we have got our spiritual body also. The spiritual body is covered by the material coating. That is our actual body. But in the case of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, there's no such difference. Deha and Dehi. As, uh, as we have got difference. Dehi no shminita Deha. Um, deha and Dehi. Dehi means the owner of the body, the soul. Right? Just like I say, it is my body. I don't say, it is I body. Everyone has got this experience. Even a child, ask him, pointing out to the finger, he will say, it is my finger. Nobody says, I finger. Because there is a difference between the body and the spirit soul. This is to be understood. So, um, so it's good to, get, you know, to have this uh, under, you know, clear understanding of the difference between the, the soul, the subtle body, and the gross body. And I think we all have the experience that the, although the gross body can give us so many problems, broken legs and this and that. The, the subtle body gives so much more problems <laughs> the mind. And, it's, uh, and I think when we're, when we're in good consciousness, we can experience the difference between us and the mind. And we actually observe the mind going, you know, saying this, think that, and I don't like this person, and why did this person do better than me? And, why is, you know, and that's all, as much as we almost offer, we offer, we don't offer our puja to a cash register, we offer it to our mind. And I, I, you know, uh, you know, um, sarva dharman prajagya mam ekam sharanam manaha, right? You know, we worship our, we, 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 you know, we don't literally worship our mind, but we practically do by being so, uh, feeling it's so connected to us. And the reality, as hard it is, as it is to swallow and as difficult it is to be reminded of it regularly, is that most of the things that go on in our mind are simply mental speculation. Right? We don't like that person. Well, now we, if we thought about it, what don't we like about that person? That person is also a part and parcel of Krishna, my brother or my sister. Uh, they're not their body. They're not their mind. Whatever they did wrong, you know, that's, that's not good. But I don't have to dislike them, especially Krishna tells me not to. So what should I do? Should I listen to Krishna or should I listen to my mind? Right? Um, even, even heat and cold is a mental speculation in this sense that it's temporary. Not that, you know, it's... Well, actually, it's going to be pretty warm today, right, in the 50s, but... Um, but, but, but especially, our desire, especially our desires for sense enjoyment, thinking that this is going to give me happiness and that's going to give me happiness, that is so much mental speculation. It's just in the mind. It's much more in the mind than anywhere else. Right? And then you get it, and it's like, just like so many kids, 
let's say they, they come from a, well to, a, a, a rich enough family that they're going to get the toys that they want the day after tomorrow. But, you know, those toys end up on a shelf a few weeks later. What? Yes, off on the shelf, that's right. So, um, yeah, but, but that's, it, it, the, the anticipation is more uh, enjoyable than the realization, right? Like if I were to tell you right now that there's going to be cheesecake and the best holiday you've ever had for the feast today, Anyway, I, we're not. There's, there may be cheesecake at the bake sale, but not at the. But anyway, you get the idea. It's so much is, uh, and we and we're sometimes we're so dull that even after we realize it, we don't get much realization because we do it again the next time, right? But a good, but but at least we should be. Our mind should, our intelligence should be sharp enough to say, "There I go again." I was anticipating this so much, and then I got it, and then rom rom, right? And if I think you all notice that when you're interested, especially interested in acquiring a, a material product or something like that, you notice it everywhere, right? Like if you're buying a new car, all of a sudden you just notice cars everywhere, right? Or even if you know you're you're going to buy a new set of eyeglasses, but you're going to get designer eyeglasses, you keep on checking who's got this. <laughs> you know, right? Or or your uh, new pair of uh, running shoes or sneakers, whatever they call them. And you're looking. That person has Under Armour. That person has Nike. That person has Puma. What's that? You know, it, it just it fills your car. And then you get it, and it's like okay. After a few days, the shoes smell, and you know, life goes on. So it's um, so so we should practice. Um, observing the mind instead of thinking ourselves one with it. And in that way, gradually make the mind our friend. Udaret atmanatmanam natmanam avasadeyat atmaiva hyatmano bandur atmaiva vipur atmanaha The mind can be our vipur, our enemy, or our friend. So, any thoughts on this? Yes, Mataji. Uh, microphone? Hare Krishna Prabhu, um, I had a question about, um, do we also, uh, can, you said like we can identify that, um, how our mind talks to us, right? Uh, so can we also feel the false ego? Because to me, I personally feel the most uh, heaviest thing in the subtle body is the false ego. Well, you're right. Yes. Um, but it's so subtle that we don't, um, we don't directly experience it. Well... Here, how, did I, by the way, did I cut you off? Were you finished? No, that was my question. Okay. Like, do we um, experience the false ego, or it's just the mind that directly? Um, well, the mind protects the false ego. That's the way that we've talked about it in the past, right? So the mind. So the what is pushing the mind to think one way or the other? I don't like this person. I like that person. Is based on a, is often unless we're a devotee. Um, based on our false conception of who we think we are, right? Um, so, if, especially you see it today uh, in the world, where you know um, 
my, I, I, let's say I um, falsely identify with being a, uh, a uh, alt-right conservative Republican, right, in politics. So, the, so my fault, my identity is like that. And therefore, my mind keeps on telling me, you know, um, we should put Hillary in jail or whatever, you know. <laughs> right? So many things come from that because of the identity or the, the person who identifies as a liberal and just thinks, you know, whatever they think, right? So it's... Um, it's like that, that um, the false ego, the mind protects our false identity. Is that right? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, that's the connection. Other thoughts? Okay. Text 19. As soon as the symptoms of his liberation were manifest, he saw a very beautiful airplane coming down from the sky, as if the brilliant full moon were coming down illuminating all the ten directions. Did anyone see the full moon yesterday? It was, yeah, it was, did you see it what time? Like right when it was just coming up or when it was high in the sky? High in the sky, okay. It's a little smaller than. When it first was coming up, I was just driving east. And, and at first I was like, what is that huge thing just above the horizon? It's the moon. It was just... It seems so much, it appears bigger when it's just on the horizon. Like that. It was amazing. Yes. But yes, it was a full moon yesterday, right? Yeah. Dhruva Maharaj saw two very beautiful associates of Lord Vishnu in the plane. They had four hands, that would be pretty amazing, right? And a blackish bodily luster. They were very youthful, and their eyes were just like reddish lotus flowers. They held clubs in their hands and they were dressed in very attractive garments with helmets um, uh, and were decorated with necklaces, bracelets, and earrings. So, you know, some people might read this and say, well, that doesn't seem that attractive, right? But it's, it's, it's hard to put into words the beauty of uh, spiritual beings. Dhruva Maharaj seeing that these uncommon personalities were direct servants of the Supreme Personality of God, immediately stood up. But being puzzled in hastiness, he forgot how to receive them in, prop, in the proper way. Therefore, he simply offered obeisances with folded hands and chanted and glorified the holy names of the Lord. The purport. Naturally, Srila Prabhupada talks about chanting. Right? Chanting of the holy names of the Lord is perfect in every way. When Dhruva Maharaj saw the Vishnu Dutas, the direct associates of Lord Vishnu, forehanded and nicely decorated, he couldn't understand who they were. But for the time being, he was puzzled. But simply by chanting the holy name of the Lord, the Hare Krishna Mantra, he could satisfy the uncommon guests who had all of a sudden arrived before him. The chanting of the holy name of the Lord is perfect. Even though one does not know how to please Lord Vishnu or his associates, simply by sincerely chanting the holy name of the Lord, everything becomes perfect. A devotee, therefore, either in danger or in happiness, constantly chants the Hare Krishna mantra. When he is in danger, he is immediately relieved. And when he is in a position to see Lord Vishnu or his associates directly, <clears throat> by chanting this maha mantra, he can please the Lord. 
This is the absolute nature of the Maha Mantra. Either in danger or in happiness, it can be chanted without limitation. So I was thinking about this purport yesterday. I was, uh, we, to make a long story short, um, every uh, Christmas time we exchange uh, gifts with a certain, certain other devotees. So I was in the mall yesterday. Uh, and, and it's just, you know, it's just, mall is just like that. So somebody remembered this purport and I just started chanting while I was uh, walking in the mall. And that made everything seem different. <laughs> Just remembering uh, Krishna in the midst of all the sale, 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 buy, 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 like, like that, right? Um, so that was uh, interesting. <laughs> Some thoughts on this? Uh, chanting is, we'll, we'll hear more about chanting. Oh, actually, why don't I read? Uh, I, I know you saw this because I sent you by email, but I, I don't think you could... Go, go ahead, Mama. Uh, I think it's on. Prabhu, uh, yeah. The chanting of Mahamantra Mantra satisfied, satisfies not just the Lord, but everyone. The devotees, yes. Because the Lord is satisfied with it. Mm. So I like that one, Prabhu. Mm. Yeah, and another part that's going to come up in a few verses, um, we read about how it's, it's kind of a neophyte consciousness to just want to hear about Krishna and not want to hear about Krishna's devotees. Right. Yeah. So I, I sent you this on by email. Um, some, these are just some of, I took a lot of notes when I was in the, uh, Harina, the Holy Name Retreat, but I'll just repeat a few of them. Uh, I like that the bow is the Holy Name, the arrow is us, and the target is Krishna. <laughs> and while chanting, we should have nothing else to do. Nothing else to do. That's a good one. It's not easy, right? Because we're so, we, you know, when the mode of passion uh, takes over, you know, we, yeah, we can, we can easily get distracted. Oh, this is one I, we just said, right? Sense gratification is mental speculation. It's all happening in the mind. We are not convinced the taste for the holy name is higher than the taste for things in this world. Therefore, our practice is not alive. Chanting with taste indicates that we are alive in Krishna consciousness. So, uh, what was the word? I was listening to Balade Vidyabhusana in his, uh, he translates bhakti, oh yeah, not as devotion, and not as devotional service, but as thirst. And we hear that, and we also know that verse, I think it's from Rupa Goswami's Padyavali, Tattva loyam apimulyam ekalam, that janma koti sukritaya nalabhyate, Krishna bhakti rasa bhavati mati, kriyatam yena kito bilabhyate. So he says that, uh, you know, um, there's only one price that one has to pay or getting Krishna's, and that is greed, or eagerness, or, or uh, thirst, or here, taste. But the idea is that our Krishna consciousness should be alive. Right? It shouldn't be just, ah, oh, right? Hare um, Krishna, Oh, there's one, say a prayer before performing any devotional service in order to get in the right mood. 
Uh, only the sincere attempt to chant attentively and do other services is what expected of us. We do our part and leave the rest in Krishna's hands. So whether he, we get bliss or not bliss or this or that, we try to do our service attentively. Yeah. Um, Krishna sends Maya to us to test how sincere we are. Um, to be free from Maya, we can't just think of Krishna as a theoretical god. We need to repeatedly hear and chant. Krishna will notice, oh, he or she is interested in me. Krishna will then dismantle the wall between us and him. Nice, huh? And the perfect example of hearing is who became a devotee just by hearing? That's true. Well, who else? By, only by hearing. Rukmini. She never saw Krishna. She just heard about Krishna. Well, obviously, there was, it was there in her heart, but she never, she never, she only heard about Krishna, and then she wrote, yeah, she, uh, yeah. Mm. Chant with great longing for Krishna. Let, uh, let my desire to serve burn off all other nonsensical desires. So some nice things from the Japa retreat. Other thoughts on this? Yes. From my practice and experience, it, I, it, it looked like whenever I shift my attention from Krishna, indulge in the normal mundane activities, then that becomes a big roadblocker for relishing the chanting uh, and hearing the holy names. Mm -hmm. And when the moment I reduce that side of the thing, then I immediately I can see the boost in this side, right. the attraction for the holy name going up. So, which actually acts as a, a thermometer kind of a thing for me. Oh, if I am not having that much inclination or enthusiasm to chant and hear and read, then it means my I am doing something else in my day-to-day -day life that I have to look at and mm. monitor and reduce for this to be. Yeah. Yes. Uh, look at and monitor. Um, and the, the, other, the wonderful thing, the lucky thing for us, is that as soon as the Krishna consciousness increases, then the other thing decreases. So Krishna makes himself quite quickly and readily available if we actually get absorbed. Yeah, we, were, we, had, a, we had a class yesterday, a Bhagavatam class here, and uh, I asked the devotees, because um, Satyananda Maharaj was making the point in the retreat that, Matsuji, do you want us to get you a chair? Do you need a chair? Okay. Okay. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, yes, right. That, it, that it's actually really important also to cultivate the mode of goodness in our day-to-day -day life uh, in order to have transcendence easily within our reach. So then I asked the devotees here uh, at the class, what do they do, practically speaking, to cultivate the mode of goodness? So I'll, I'll, I'll save some of their comments first, but ask you, what do you do to cultivate the mode of goodness in your life? 
You can just shout it out and I'll repeat it. Go ahead, yeah. Hear from the spiritual master, okay. So read, read Prabhupada's books and things, okay. What else? I don't think that's on. Now it is. Early rising. What? Early rising, yes. Okay. Rising. That's going to come up in the next purport, I think, yeah. Uh, having a clean environment. In a clean environment. Yes. Okay. Choosing good association. Good association, yes. Association is so important. Offering food to Krishna. Yeah. Feel good, yes. Yes, okay. Good. Uh, some of the devotees were pujaris who were in the So, so them taking a bath, wearing clean clothes. Um, a lot of the things that you came up with. Um, oh, one devotee uh, said being regulated trying to do the same thing at the same time every day, right? Which is like, I'm, I'm a total failure that I'm traveling here and there. Yeah. Yes, Mamad? I heard, we heard in him, hearing Srimad Bhagavatam third canto, our, the reason for our present condition life is not just an accidental fall down, it's a Deliberately, it's deliberately choosing to be inattentive to Krishna. Yeah, yes. Uh, and the remedy also is deliberately <laughs> choosing to be attentive yes, to Krishna. Yes, yes. <laughs> so yes. that sentence is giving like rich life in chanting, really, when I remember that. Yes, and that, yes, very good. Uh, people also brought up yesterday about. Um, uh, how we associate with one another, being kind to others, and listening to them. These are also signs of the mode of goodness. But mode of passion is you interrupt them, or while they're speaking, you're thinking what you're going to say next, and all those things. Yeah. Good. So it is, it is something, again, to be introspective about, that how can I uh, develop the mode of goodness more in my regular life, and how can I be, like you said, I think, deliberate? Is that the word you used? How can I be more deliberate in my relationship with Krishna? And then, you know, develop thirst, taste, greed, whatever word we want to use. But actually, a real desire, you know. Just like, you know, try to remember when you were, just like I was with, uh, I was at a program last night, really nice program at Bhakti Yoga DC. And one of the devotees' uh, child was saying that, Oh, I love the Sunday Feast program. I said, why? She said, the pizza. <laughs> right, so she, has a, she had a real greed for the pizza. You can imagine how disappointed she would be if there was no pizza left. So when will that day be when you know, we say, oh, I love the Sunday open house. Why? Oh, I get darshan of Radha Madan Mohan. Wow. You know, I get to hear class like today, Vaisheshikapur was giving class. Right? So, Yes. Okay, what's another one? If you try to spend some time just walking in nature, because it's one of the nature, future yes. purports says that living in the forest is living in the mode of goodness. Mode of goodness that's right. Living in the city is living in the mode of passion. passion yes. And living, frequenting bars and gambling clubs is living yes. in I ignorance. Think that's in the Bhagavad Gita, isn't it? It's that's in one of the purports. Oh, the, uh -huh. But uh, so if you just take some walk and just. Look at nature, I think it gravitates you towards the more yeah. goodness. Yeah. Yes, and then if you bring your beads with you, 
then you can you can combine goodness and transcendence. Yeah. And, but you can't go to national parks this weekend. <laughs> Is anyone here on furlough? No, even uh, contract you all DOD and stuff. So DOD doesn't get stopped. Because I'm going to announce um, the Wednesday as shutdown sadhana day, and I'll be here all because I, I I am furloughed, so I'll be here. I figured if I can give eight hours to my job, so that day I don't have to go to work. So I'll just stay in the temple and do eight hours of sadhana. We'll chant. We'll have class. We'll talk about Krishna. About whatever. Wednesday, because that's the first day of the, really the shutdown. Because day after Christmas. Yeah, because that's the. They're not going to vote by you know nine o'clock in the morning on Wednesday. Give all your property leisure time to Krishna. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. That's what I'm thinking. I'll just stay in the temple. What? Mondays are uh, before all this. President Trump called it a national holiday. He gave all the federal employees a day off with pay. You have to work tomorrow. Yeah, because you're not. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, the physical. No, my son has to work tomorrow. So, but I don't. And if this shutdown goes on, then I'll probably, I'll at least historically, I'll get paid for having sadhana in the temple room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's really good. Right. Okay. So, um, Dhruva Maharaj was, was always absorbed in thinking of the lotus feet of Lord Krishna. His heart was full with Krishna. When the two confidential servants of the Supreme Lord, who were named Nanda and Sunanda, approached him, smiling happily, Dhruva stood with folded hands, bowing humbly. Then, um, uh, they then addressed him as follows. And uh, here's one of those encouraging things right at the end of the purport. Simply by becoming agreeable to the orders of the Supreme Personality of Godhead and by developing love of Godhead, Dhruva got the chance to personally meet the confidential servants of Lord Vishnu face to face. What was possible for Dhruva Maharaj is possible for everyone. Anyone who very seriously engages in devotional service can obtain in due course of time, that doesn't mean tomorrow, right? The same perfection of the human form of life. Encouraging words. Nanda and Sutta, uh, Sunanda, the two confidential associates of Lord Vishnu, said, My dear king, let there be all good fortune unto you. Please attentively hear what we shall say. When you were only five years old, you underwent severe austerities, and you thereby greatly satisfied the Supreme Personality of Godhead. We are representatives of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, the creator of the whole universe, who carries in his hand the bow named... Sang How do you pronounce it? Sarg... Two syllables. But the N gets kind of... Saranga, thank you. Saranga, okay, thank you. We have been specifically deputed to take you to the spiritual world. To achieve Vishnu Loka is very difficult, but by your austerities you have conquered. Even the great rishis and demigods cannot achieve this position. 
Simply to see the supreme abode, the Vishnu planet, the sun and moon and all the other planets, stars, lumen, lunar mansions and solar systems are circumambulating it. Now please come, you are welcome to go there. My <coughs> dear king, dear king Dhruva, neither your forefathers nor anyone else before you ever achieved such a transcendental planet. The planet known as Vishnu Loka, where Lord Vishnu personally resides, is the highest of all. It is worshipable by the inhabitants of all other planets within the universe. Please come with us and live there for a few days. Eternally. And, and Prabhupada writes, The associates of Lord Vishnu reminded him that not only his forefathers, but everyone else before him was unable to obtain Vishnu Loka, the planet where Lord Vishnu resides. This is because everyone within the material world is either, you ready for this? A karmi, a gani, or a yogi. But there are hardly any pure devotees. The transcendental planet known as Vishnu Loka is especially meant for devotees, not for karmis, ganis, or yogis. Great rishis or demigods can hardly approach Brahma Loka. And as stated in Bhagavad Gita, Brahma Loka is not a permanent residence. Lord Brahma's duration of life is so long that it is difficult to estimate even the duration of one day in his life. And yet, Lord Brahma also dies as to the residents of his planets. So, that's an interesting thing. When you think about it, you know, that just sums everything up. You know, you're either canny. There's not too many yogis. There's people, there's not like paka ganis, like people who go off into the forest and perform austerities. But there are people who have mayavadi tendencies, right? And of course, karmi, you know, although it's such a derogatory term sometimes in this kind of those karmis, uh, it just means someone who is attached to sense gratification and trying to enjoy in this world, basically. Right? Which is pretty bad. <laughs> Which is bad. Because um, the ruin, especially for a human being, to, to only do that. Um, but it's just interesting. Okay, well, there's those categories, that's... That's it. <laughs> and I guess there's some mixture. Just like, just like we say karma, mishra, bhakti. So there, you know, a, probably a, pers a person can probably have combinations of karma and can in them. But none of those, they, therefore, um, what's that verse? Well, there's a few verses. Bhukti, mukti, siddhi, kami, sakala, ashanta, krishna, bhakta, nishkam, ata, eva, shanta. Right? That the bhukti, Mukti and Siddhi, the Bukti, the sense karmi, Bukti Mukti, the Gani, Bukti Mukti Siddhi, the Yogi, Sakala, all of them, Ashanta, they're not peaceful. Krishna Bhakta Nishkam Ataeva Shanta, but a devotee of Krishna, because they're just depending on the Lord and just wanting to serve the Lord, Shanti. Shanti. It's, it's people are looking for peace. And we know how to achieve it. <laughs> but whether they accept that or not. What's the other verse? Bhoktanam yakatapasam sarva lokam heshram suridam sarva bhutanam gyatvamam shantim richati. That if you just understand that Krishna is bhoktanam he's he's the enjoyer of all of our activities, including our tarpasis, bhoktanam yakatapasam. Sarva lokam, he, oh, he owns everything. He owns everything. And most, probably most importantly for us, Suridham, Sarva Bhutanam, he's a friend of all living entities. And Gyatvamam, knowing this about me, Krishna says, Richati, one achieves, 
piece. So that is, that's there. Uh, but the demigods, they can't even approach the Brahmaloka, and that's not a permanent residency. So therefore, Abrahma Bhuvanaloka, Punar Arvarti Arjuna, from the highest planet in the material world down to the lowest, all are places of repeated birth and death. Some comments on this? Thoughts? Questions? Yes, um, actually, I was uh, reading and remembering that, like the initially when the boon was given, uh, he was basic. The boon says that like um, he will be given a separate planet for him, and there he can live millions of years or something like that. But here he is going to Vishnu Loka. So, do you have any explanation for that? Well, it, he wasn't going to go to a planet that was uninhabited. <laughs> you know what I mean? So. It's it's considered in other places we hear that Druva Loka or Vishnu Loka is a spiritual planet in this world, and it's not annihilated at the time of annihilation. So of course, if he's a pure devotee, he's going to go to a planet where Krishna is in some form or the other. So we sometimes call it Druva, right, uh, Druva's planet, but really it's he's a devotee of. So he, yeah, sometimes it's called the pole star. Answer is that the Vishnu Loka is a Dhruva Loka. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, he says that you will be the king for that, like, uh, the whole Yeah, he's going to be. Uh, <coughs> but we know that every king, no matter how great, is ultimately a servant of the Supreme. Yeah. Somebody's got to run the place. Thank you, Prabhu. I guess that's his activities. <laughs> oh, immortal one, the unique airplane, this unique airplane, has been sent by the Supreme Personality of God who is worshipped by selected prayers and who is the chief of all living entities. You are quite worthy to board such a plane. The great sage Maitreya continued, Dhruva Maharaj, Maharaj Dhruva was very dear to the Supreme Personality of God. When he heard the sweet speeches of the Lord's chief associates in the Vaikuntha planet, he immediately took his sacred bath dressed himself with suitable ornaments, and performed his daily spiritual duty. So he didn't just go, yahoo, you know, and run on the plane, right? He actually, you know, it was in the mode of goodness. You could say, of course, be transcendental to that, and did, did, did all the right things. Lord Chaitanya, he would say, okay, now I'm doing my midday duties, right? Thereafter, he offered respectful obeisances to the great sages, present there and accepted their blessings. And Prabhupada writes that every devotee should take his bath early in the morning, that's what Mahamantra Prabhu was saying, and decorate his body with tilak. In Kali Yuga, one can hardly acquire gold or jewel ornaments, but the 12 tilak marks on the body are sufficient as auspicious decorations to purify the body. So the marking of tilak is not a small thing. It's actually one of the angas one of the aspects of devotional service. Um, and there's, actually, there's, a, there's two, mantra, two different sets of mantras that one chants. Sometimes, yeah, the general idea is like some, sometimes we put, you know, tilak in a little container and just add some water to it. Right? But the actual general way is that you'd have a ball of tilak, you'd put some water in your left palm, and as you're making it, you say... Uh, 
And that translates as when one marks the forehead with tilak, one must remember Keshava. When one marks the lower abdomen, he must remember Narayan. For the chest, one should remember Madhava, and it goes on like that with the different names. This is from the Chaitanya Charitamrita. So you usually say that as you're making the tilak, and then as you're applying the tilak, you would say, you know, Om Keshavaya Namaha. Om Narayan, near the uh, belly button, above the belly button, Om Narayan Maha, Om Maravaya Namaha, Om Govindaya Namaha, yeah. Om Vishnave Namaha, Om Madhusudanaya Namaha, Om Trivikandaya Namaha, Om Vamanaya Namaha, Om... Did I get it wrong? Vamanaya Namaha, right. Sridharaya Hrishikesha, Pamanambaya Dhamadaraya. Yeah, so it's... Oh, yeah, and then... yeah. So... Um, so applying tilak is part of devotional service. Um, and then Prabhupada told uh, Peter Burwash, and then probably others also, that uh, if you're going to work and you think people are going to not understand it, then you can take water tilak. Yeah, and he said usually try to use some, some kind of purified water or from Achpan or from at least a clean source. And you just apply water tilak. And I've been with Peter Burwash and seen him actually apply water tilak. Because Prabhupada instructed him to do so. So we can do like that. It's also chanting Krishna's names. All those different names of Krishna. So it's not something to uh, uh, be neglected. Yes, Bu? Traveling with a physical body or like with a spiritual body on this? Uh, Juva? Uh-huh. I believe the, uh, we did we read already or is it coming up? The, yeah, it's like thunder and lightning is the example. No, but the example of the transformation that just as um, thunder follows lightning very quickly, one leaves this body and enters the spiritual realm. Like that, right? That's it. What's that? Narada Muni says that. Yeah. Yeah. And then you said there, there's a. Turns to molten gold? Oh, his appearance. He doesn't like turning to gold. Yeah. So, yeah, he, you, know, you, you enter the spiritual world in, this, in your. In your in your body. There is, who's the one who entered the spiritual world in the self-same body? Arjuna did. Was Arjuna? Yeah, Krishna took him to the Vishnu Loka. Use the microphone. Krishna takes Arjuna with him to the spiritual world to meet Mahavishnu. Oh, in that case, yes, yes, right, right. Same physical body. I'm just typing in the word self-same. Krishna, of course, it says here, when, when the personality of God, the Lord Krishna, left this earthly planet in his self-same form, that we know. Um, 
Go ahead. Dhruva like pulls the personification of death and… Dhruva what? He pulls… he makes the person of death as a step and get onto… Oh, that's right, he steps on the head of death. Right. Yes, yeah, just uh, I mean, you you enter the spiritual world, and you're in your you don't enter the spiritual world with earth, water, fire, air, ether, mind, intelligence, and false ego. Right? You you we we just read about that. Uh, what were the words? Mukta linga. Yeah, that you're you enter in the, with the spiritual body. Yeah, I was hearing yesterday that there was no sense gratification in the spiritual world. Right. So we are on 27, right? Oh, immortal one? The unique airplane, is that right? No. 29, sorry. I switched, yeah. Before getting aboard, Maharaj worshipped the airplane. That's interesting, right? So the airplane's even worshipable, right? Yeah. Yeah, right. Uh, circumambulated it and also offered obeisances to the associates of Vishnu. In the meantime, he became, ah, there you go, there's your point. He became as effulgent and illuminating as molten gold. He was thus completely prepared to board the transcendental plane. And let's see if it answers. So it says here, right, in the absolute world, the plane, the associates of Lord Vishnu and Lord Vishnu himself are all spiritual. There's no material contamination. Dhruva Maharaj knew all this very well as a pure Vaishnava and offered his respects. But in the meantime, his body changed into, there's your answer, into spiritual existence. And therefore, it was illuminating like molten gold. Very good. Got that exactly right. Yeah. In this way, he, was also, he also became one of the other paraphernalia of Vishnu Loka. So the idea, paraphernalia is sometimes a translation of tadiya, right? So the uh, so Krishna is worshipable, and those things connected with Krishna are also worshipable, like the plane, like the devotees, etc. Like, yeah. Other thoughts? Okay, text thirty. When Dhruva Maharaj was attempting to get on the transcendental plane, he saw death personified approach him. Not caring for death, however, he took advantage of the opportunity and put his feet on the head of death, and thus he got up on the airplane, which was as big as a house. Well, you know, there's airplanes today that are as big as houses. Right? It's, it's totally uh, very advanced technology. Very advanced technology, indeed. And Prabhupada writes, people with a poor fund of knowledge do not know the difference between the death of a devotee and the death of a non-devotee. In this connection, an example can be given. Uh, a cat carries its kittens in its mouth, and it also catches a rat in its mouth. So I was listening to um, uh, a description from uh, Buri Prabhu, who was, I'm thinking maybe a month or two he spent taking care of uh, His Holiness Gurunagrai Maharaj before he left this world, because um, he had advanced uh, stages of cancer. And um, Gurunagrai Maharaj was very concerned about 
trying to leave this world in a conscious state, even however painful it was. He didn't want to be in coma. And so, um, and, and by, you know, Krishna's wonderful. So, so Burry Jumper then contacted uh, Ritavajar Maharaj, and he said, please, Maharaj, please come to Vrindavan and help me with helping Gunagari Maharaj leave this world. So Ritavajar Maharaj flew over there. Then, three days before he left, Radhana Swami shows up. And he's there. And then hours before he left, his old, old friend, Bibi Govindamara, shows up and is leading this loud kirtan. And so he, the doctor had said that he had entered coma, a coma uh, and you know, wasn't conscious. And he was in, in, in incredible pain. It was really, really incredible pain. They were really trying to balance, because he wanted to remain conscious, they were really trying to balance the morphine and keeping him, you know, taking away the pain and keeping him conscious and, you know, aware of his surroundings, not just totally on drugs. So it seemed like, you know, things weren't what he wanted because he was uh, in coma, in a coma. But um, then just before he left, and Buri Jumper was there right, like, right at his face, you know, chanting, and, and, and he, he saw his lips move That was the last, then he left. And Srila uh, Prabhupada also left this world surrounded by devotees chanting. Uh, and, and, you, and I've had this experience because living in, I lived in Vrindavan, as you know, for many years. And so watching devotees come, they would often come to Vrindavan when they knew they had a terminal disease to leave in a, even my mother left this world in Vrindavan. Um, and seeing just what it says here, that there's a big difference between how a devote, because Krishna, if we spend our lives trying to remember Krishna, Krishna will help us remember him. Uh, you know, we work to remember him, he helps us, especially at the time of death. So it can be a very glorious, although painful, uh, from so many different points of view. Um, it's, it's also very, very intense taking care of a person who's dying. It's uh, intense physically. It, it's obviously intense emotionally. Um, you know, so I, I, I was just talking to a devotee who was helping um, their sister pass away for many months. And I said, okay, now it's time for you to really take care of yourself. Get some good rest. To get some exercise. You know, take shelter of Krishna's name and, and the Bhagavatam, and really do some self-care because it's it's a very intense uh, thing. Death is uh, death is no joke. Uh, death is no joke. So there's a difference, though, between so here, so the beginning of the purport to take the passing away of a devotee and the passing away of a non-devotee as one and the same is completely misleading. While ascending the spirit transcendental airplane, Drumar suddenly saw death personified before him, but he was not afraid. Instead of death giving him trouble, Drumaraj took advantage of death's presence and put his feet on the head of death. I don't know how that exactly works, but it's a very cool imagery. Right? And then the example of the cat. Right? So uh, it's it's it should be reassuring for us. And also um, give us encouragement to remember Krishna while we are of sound mind and body. 
because it doesn't get easier when you get old and, you know, let's speak if you have dementia or something like that and you can't remember. So uh, Narendra Maharaj was telling me um, about, I think her name was Krishna Kant. Anyway, she, she was a Prabhupada disciple who joined very early. And somehow or other, he found out that she was in a nursing home and had uh, memory loss, dementia. But they, uh, so he went to visit her. And he was talking to the staff, and the staff just said, we love this person. She is the most gentle soul, and she just keeps on saying, Hare Krishna. That's all she can basically say is Hare Krishna. So uh, I think Narendra Maharaj had a kirtan with her. And, you know, like that. So he didn't have any other memory, but just was like so pleasant and always Hare Krishna. <laughs> so, yeah. So Krishna does uh, take care of his devotees. But, you know, we, we shouldn't, it's not a glamorous thing, dying is no fun. Because we are attached to this world. So, you know, so our whole reality, right? Even, you know, as devotees, we're not going to necessarily, we're not going to have the same family in the next life if we don't go back to God. We're not going to have the same body. We're not going to even maybe have the same political party, <laughs> right? We're not going to, maybe the different gender. That's all, that's very usual. It's very standard to switch genders because whatever you meditate upon, that's that's what you get in your next life, right? So, so many times people meditate on the opposite sex. So, so, so all of reality is taken away, and the only thing really to hold on to is the actual reality. Because everything else just uh, it's you know when you think about it, it's really scary. So it's 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 it's, an, it's a far more extreme example of like when you go, what do they call it? Uh, witness protection programs, right? Where they give you a new identity, a new everything, right? You know, you're no longer that name, you no longer have that occupation, but you still have the mind and senses. So this is, you know, uh, this is uh, witness protection <laughs> without the protection <laughs> and, uh, and with a complete makeover. <laughs> Completely. And it doesn't take long. If, we, if Prabhupada could say that Lord Brahma's lifetime is th of 311 trillion years is a lightning flash, then what to speak of, you know, let's say uh, we're 40 years old now and we live 40 more years or 50 more years, that's a real lightning flash. Still, this is encouraging. This is not, not trying to discourage, this is encouraging that, uh, that Prabhupada says that the, that the Death of a devotee can be glorious. Just like, I don't know, was anyone there when Bhakti Tirtha Maharaj left this world? That was also amazing. You were there? One day before. Yeah, one day before, right? Yeah. So that was also very amazing. Nice, a big kirtan was going I was there. Big kirtan was going on. Like that. And, uh, yeah, a lot of devotees I've seen leave this world. Even my mother, I wasn't with my mom when she passed away, but the nurse that was taking care of her was chanting to her. Yeah. So, so yes, devotees are uh, lucky. 
in that sense. But it's really, it's really uh, glorious to see, actually, Srila Prabhupada's servants. Okay, so Prabhupada left this world in an uh, amazing way. There's even videos of it, right? Um, but then to see his disciples is, is very, should be very strengthening of faith. To see that Krishna, it's not just Prabhupada, this great Mahabhagavat, but his disciples following in his footsteps, having such an experience. It's really wonderful. Any thoughts on this? Yes. So when you were describing, it reminded me of my mom passing away eight years ago, and her passing away was, yes, it happened, but what still remains with me is the mercy of the spiritual master and the devotees. Mm. Because without them, it is next to impossible even to like serve such a person in that condition and also help them remember Krishna. Because I need that strength to serve my mom. Mm. And yeah. I, I cannot just think that, oh, I can just do it just by myself. And that was the biggest takeaway for me from that wow. uh, event. Wow. That mercy of spiritual master and the senior devotees was, it's, it's costless mercy. Yeah. I know several moms who got initiated like two days before they left this world. Shiva Maharaj initiated Kesha Bharti's Maharaj's mom. And Kesha Bharti Maharaj was, we were joking, I was just with him in, in Govardhan. And because uh, he helped my mother. My mother was somehow in Spain and she got mugged. And she somehow made it to a temple. And Kesha Bharti Maharaj was the president then and took care of my mom. And she was mugged. And my mom was, my mom and dad were supposed to be initiated in Hyderabad by Rompada Swami Maharaj in November 2010. And somewhere around September she fell sick and she was in ICU. She had been battling cancer for the, before, five years before that. And just a month before her passing away, she got initiated, and it was just a remote initiation. Uh-huh, right. He just emailed and Same said, with like, you, I, will, I will accept you as my disciple, and then one day later, he gave the initiated name. Gotcha. Nice. At that time, drums and kettle drums resounded from the sky. The chief Gandharvas began to sing, and other demigods showered flowers like torrents of rain upon Dhruv Maharaj. Druva was seated, now we're going to hear about mothers. Druva was seated in the transcendental airplane, which was just about to start. I guess the engine had to start. Uh, when he remembered his poor mother, Suniti, he thought to himself, how shall I go alone to the Vaikuntha planet and leave behind my poor mother? Prabhupada writes, actually Druva Maharaj's mother, Suniti, was his uh, Pata Padakshana Guru. Uh, Pata Padakshana Guru means the guru or the spiritual master who shows the way. Such a guru is sometimes called Shiksha Guru. Although Narada Muni was his Diksha Guru, initiating spiritual master, Suniti, his mother, was his first, uh, was the first who gave him instructions on how to achieve the favor of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. It is the duty of the Shiksha Guru or Diksha Guru to instruct the disciple in the right way, and it depends on the disciple to execute the process. According to Shastric injunctions, there is no difference between Shiksha Guru and Diksha Guru. And generally, the Shiksha Guru later on becomes the Diksha Guru. So, 
Probably for many of us, we have some uh, uh, pata, is that how I pronounce that right? P-A-T-H-A? Pata, production of guru in our life. Mine was Bernie DeAngelis. You wouldn't know Bernie DeAngelis, but I was working in a law firm, and uh, he started telling me about Krishna. And then he said, let's go meet Srila Prabhupada. He's going to be in New York. And, uh, you know, I don't know what I, you know, Rohanpat Swami was trying to find him, Bernie, you know, because we knew, we both knew him, but we can't find him now. But anyway, he showed me the path. I only saw him. I didn't talk to him. No, New York Rathiatra in 76. Yeah, so we, who is your part, uh, part of, I sometimes say part of production of Guru. So sitting right next to me. Acha. <laughs> because of him I met my spiritual master. Uh-huh. Nice. Shakshi, how about you? There's a lot of people. A lot of people. Yeah. First one? Gopi, uh, his name is Gopi Kakanta. He lives in New York. Uh-huh. Uh, and then like Shankadari Prabhu. Ah, Shankadari Prabhu, very nice. Andy, how did you find out about Krishna? Ananda, okay. I was like a deer in the headlights and she took me aside and said, okay, you know, a few things got me started. Oh, nice. Anyone else? My dad brought the Bhagavad Gita as it is. Acha. Give it to me. And he regrets it ever since. No, I'm joking. <laughs> Mataji? Uh, I went, my Prabhu was going to the Bhaktaruksha, so I went there. So he's your partner for that? Yes. Very good. Lakshmiyam Prabhu? I met devotees one day doing Harinam Sankirtan, so they wow. were my Vartma Pradarshika. Very good. And then some years later, I, uh, like, 20 years later, I think sometime in the 1990s, I ran into one of those devotees in Los Angeles. And so I just bowed down and paid my obeisances and said, okay, you're my Vartma Pradarshika guru. Thank oh, nice. you. <laughs> Nandimuki? How about you? Oh, I met with my spiritual you, master. Who's your Vartma production guru? Who's the first person that interests you to who is the first person I met in Krishna Consciousness yeah. Movement? Yeah. Uh, I said, uh, I think it's uh, Steve. Son, thank you, Nayaka. Oh, thank you, Nayaka. How nice. Yeah. Wonderful. Ladies in the back? Anyone want to say? It's nice to remember who introduced uh, I used to see the divorce on the street and buy incense for them. You buy incense from them? And... I bought, what was the first, is, uh, is journey to other planets, but when I read, I was like, what is this, what a language, but my husband read the Bhagavad Gita to ah, me. How nice. Anyone else? Yeah. It's uh, Sandini, my wife's uh, grandmother's sister. Your wife's grandmother's sister, wow. She, she was disciple of Prabhupada's god brother. Ah, how nice. So, I think it's Tirtha Tirtha Maharaj? Tirtha Vilas Maharaj, Tirtha Vilas Goswami, something like that. The great associates of Vaikuntha Loka, Nanda and Sunanda, could understand the mind of Dhruva Maharaj, and thus they showed him that his mother, Suniti, 
was going forward in another airplane. These are single passenger airplanes. <laughs> and Prabhupada writes, Srila Bhakti Sananta Sarasati Thakur used to say, listen to how humble Prabhupada is, if I could perfectly deliver even one soul back home, back to Godhead, I would think my mission, propagating Krishna consciousness to be successful. The Krishna conscious movement is spreading now all over the world, and sometimes I think that even though I am crippled in many ways, if one of my disciples becomes as strong as Juva Maharaj, then he will be able to carry me with him to Vaikuntha Loka. Oh, so humble. Amazing, huh? Everything okay? Did she want to say? Okay. Go ahead. Do you want? Okay. No problem. You can say in Hindi, yes, and then they'll translate. This temple. So every time I come here, but uh, I, I am not found. Uh, Darshan is Prabhupada. Acha. <laughs> okay, she came in 1974 and asked her husband to find a Iskon temple close by in a directory. And that's how they came here. How nice. Wonderful. There's some connection, I'm sure. <laughs> well, also his father is a devotee. Her, her husband's father. Yeah, after. after, his after. Uh, yeah, that was a little later because that was Ramachar Maharaj. Yes. Jai Shishi Gurnitai Sita Ram Lakshman Hanuman Shishi Radhamadan Mohan Ki Jai. When Juv Maharaj was passing through. When Juv Maharaj was passing through space, he gradually saw all the planets of the solar system. And on the path, he saw all the demigods in their airplanes showering flowers upon him like rain. It's a big deal when somebody goes back to God. It's like, wow, honey bowl. Juv Maharaj thus surpassed the seven planetary systems of the great sages who are known as Sapta Rishis. Uh, Rishi. Beyond that region, he achieved the transcendental situation of permanent life in the planet where Lord Vishnu resides. The self-effulgent Vaikuntha planets, by whose illumination alone all the illuminating planets within this material world give off reflective light, cannot be reached by those who are not merciful to other living entities. Only persons who constantly engage in welfare activities for other living entities can reach the Vaikuntha planets. Persons who are peaceful, equipoised, cleansed and purified, and who know the art of pleasing all other living entities, keep friendship only with devotees of the Lord. They alone can very easily achieve the perfection of going back home, back to Godhead. So this point about... Um, um, friendship is such an important thing in Krishna consciousness. It's, uh, it was the, what was the theme of last week? Sunday? Friendship. Friendship. And what was the example? Everyone remembers. I don't I think, if you ask 200 people today, they're all going to remember Sudama. It was so, uh, 
so much. Yeah, so it's a very, very, very important point to have uh, friendships in Krishna consciousness. You know, we, we say, Ado Guru Padashraya, right, that the first thing is to take shelter of a spiritual master. And interestingly, although I wasn't thinking like this, there, is, there are verses, important verses in the Bhagavatam, where it talks about the spiritual master as one's friend, as one's best friend. Um, but, uh, but usually when we're thinking of friends, we're thinking of peers, right? And it's important to have different relationships. Uh, as it says here about how important it is to be merciful, so it's also to have relationships with people who are less Krishna conscious or less advanced or maybe have no understanding of Krishna consciousness at all, and then peers and then more advanced people. But peer association is really important. Sometimes we don't emphasize it as much, but it's really important to have people that we can reveal our minds to, uh, talk confidentially, joke with each other sometimes, take prasadam together, and really feel that there's some people in this world that we can say anything to, and they won't go and put it on the internet or anything, but they'll, um, they'll listen to us and, uh, and uh, be with us. And when the, when the going gets tough, Actually, that's, that's one thing that a lot of people, like, like the example of, uh, of Gunagrahimar. So he spent so much of his life dedicated to helping others. And look what happened at the end of his life. So many devotees, senior advanced devotees, came to be with him as he left this world. And Bhakti Tirtamar is the same. The room was packed. If anyone was there, the room was just packed. Were you there? Yeah, the room. Yeah, yeah. Just before, it was packed, you know. Um, and he would, you know, he's chose to leave this world in Gitanagri, not in Vrindavan. You know, he could have gone to Vrindavan. So um, friendships are uh, really, really important in Krishna consciousness. So next week we will finish this chapter. And like I said, there will be class next week. And yeah. Yes. I'm trying to remember the verse. Does anyone know the verse offhand? It says, uh, firm friendship, I think, is the word. Um, I'm not sure if it's Chaitanya Charitamrita or um, Bhagavatam. It's a famous verse about the spiritual master. Um, yeah, here we go. There you go. Yeah, it's pretty easy, huh? Uh, Canto 7. Uh, chapter uh, 12, the perfect society for spiritual classes. Narada Muni said, a student, yeah, this, so this is a very famous verse, right? Brahmachari guru kule vastam dantam gororitam. Right? Uh, and it says, a student should practice completely controlling his senses, he should be submissive, and should have an attitude of firm friendship for the spiritual master. With a great vow, the Brahmachari should live at the, uh, live at the guru kula only for the benefit of the guru. So, uh, and the word for friendship here is uh, sorida. Just like Krishna, I think it's similar to suridam sarvabhutanam. Yeah. Sorida. In friendship or goodwill. So, that's where. So, uh, next week there is class. And then, looking at, just real quick, and then we'll end looking at a calendar. Um, so 30th, there is class. No class on the 6th. No class on the 13th.
I will be Krishna willing in India. Puri and Vrindavan and Delhi. Yes. So have a wonderful week in Krishna consciousness. Nice to be back and hearing about Dhruv Maharaj, isn't it? So nice to hear about Dhruv Maharaj. Hare Krishna, glory to Srila Prabhupada. Yeah.